Cool, man. Cool, man. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. It's been so long. Great to be back. Thank you for having me back on the show, Jason. You've never looked more like a legit podcaster right now. I see you've got headphones on and you've got a mic in the camera. I'm going to take a snippet of this right now for you. Welcome. This is, yes, this is my life now. That um, red uh, record symbol in the top left of the Zencaster app, what does that look like to you? Mm, it looks like um, the Japanese flag. Yeah, which is a great sequitur to the book we're reading, A Tale for the Time Being. Uh, we'll typically have a check-in of our book club every two weeks, and this podcast is really grown. It's evolved. <laughs> it started with emotional conversations and we've degenerated to just talking about books we've been reading. Yes. <laughs> degenerated, evolved. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, truly. So I have a question for you. Do you, When you explain the book, do you say it's a tale for the time being or is it a tale for the time being? I don't think I have told anybody the title of the book okay. yet. But if I were to, I would say a tale for the time being a tale for the time being i would probably say it like like a not a time being but for the time being okay. i would probably say it like that okay i've been so not personifying time being right right okay i have been personifying time being um <laughs> that's just wrong that's just wrong <laughs> um yeah Th this last part is was really good holy crap Yes, yeah, to our listeners, you should look up A Tale for the Time Being or A Tale for the Time Being. Either either one, it's the same book, written by Ruth... Ozaki? Uh, Ruth who? Ruth Ozaki. Ozaki. Ruth Ozaki, yeah. great book. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, let's... Uh, to shout out to Kira. Yeah, shout out to Kira. Let's, let's lay out some ground rules about us talking about this book. Um, uh, I don't, I'm not going to make any jumps to explain what has happened so far. We're just going to dive right in. Um, and, uh, spoilers ahoy. So you've been warned listeners. Okay, cool. Works for me. <laughs> um, so, so the last, the last, the last part we read. Yes. Um, the, what's it called? The grandma. So cool. Holy crap. Straight up. Yeah. I've always had a lot of, like, we've talked about meditation -y stuff frequently in the past and this book uh right up that alley uh, which is pretty cool grandmother like zen buddhist monk um i think she's like so powerful in her own way she literally has a super power <laughs> super power <laughs> um yeah my favorite um i think one of my favorite snippets is when they're talking about how they don't waste anything and or they don't throw anything away and when they do they have a ceremony for it like they just collect all their garbage throughout the year and then they have like they literally have a prayer or a saying for everything they do like washing their feet or like um you know doing the dishes going to the bathroom and they, they say a little saying for all, all the ones suffering out there and then they, they have one for throwing out the trash and they only do it yeah like yeah. once every six months they they like it's like a funeral, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, so they go through this ceremony and then they talk and then she goes on this little bit about the plastic bags and they're like, yeah, we never throw out any plastic bags. They make an effort to like hand wash each of them and like hang them up to dry like laundry. And uh, the little girl, she's like, we would have saved so much time if we just threw out these plastic bags and just bought new one. Think about all that time we're saving. We could be meditating more. And then the old lady's like, that's not the, like the point isn't to meditate more. It's like washing the bags is just as meditative as sitting to meditate. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> damn lady. That's truly a, truly a Zen answer too. The, the Zen folks that I've been around um, really uh, encourage like whatever you're doing, do it like fully, and that's just as much the practice as sitting down. Which 
bothering me because I think it's harder. And it, it doesn't feel as like I'm on the path, like, oh, I got to get my meditation time in. Like now I'm doing my meditation. Um, and, you know, probably everybody gives that advice. So it's the right advice. But I often get into this this feeling of like, like, OK, I got to do X, Y and Z and then I can meditate, uh, which is maybe missing the point. Yeah, no, I I definitely have been trying to, I guess, embody that idea. Um yeah, like mindfulness in everyday life. And like you said, you know, it's advice that people throw out all the time and like it's hard to sort of understand what that means. Um, and it's really just through reading this book that I feel like I've gotten a few more like inroads to um, to appreciate that. Uh, I, think, I think the way it's written is just so... I mean, it's from the perspective of like a 16-year-old girl. So she's very honest and very um, blunt and very straightforward in the way she talks. And I think that's quite refreshing because a lot of the times, like I appreciate meditation, but I don't always love the rhetoric around it. Does, does that make sense? Oh, what, what, is, what do you mean? Like you're, you're kind of tired with like how, how people say it's just the, the bee's knees and it cures X, Y, and Z and... That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, the previous two books that we read in our book club, um, they kind of had that uh, preachy uh, element of you got to sleep, you got to breathe, or else you're dead, <laughs> which is true. It's, they're not wrong. But like, um, I, th- I think sometimes the way people talk about meditation is a bit um, like self-promoting or self-like... I don't know. There's just this layer of separation between those who meditate and those who don't meditate. Um, I don't know. And um, it's kind of hard to, I I don't know if I'm just like bored of listening to them or like it just rubs me the wrong way. But Hmm. the way um, now, again, the 16 year old girl talks about it, it's just like, it's kind of funny. And like, there's a, there's a humor to meditation, um, which I appreciate. And makes it like more excited to meditate. Like the ridiculousness. Yes, the ridiculousness of it. Um, The PR around meditation can be pretty annoying. I think those who uh, like, you know, maybe don't meditate or let's try it a little bit. Like the usual things that they'll say is, I, you know, I need to meditate more to like feel more relaxed, feel more calm or uh, more focused. Um, any kind of like headspace type app is kind of, I think, you know, that that's sort of, that's how, how you market it too, is like leveling up the brain and being the super Zen, you know, to, to be Zen, uh, which when you talk to Zen people, that, that phrase always kind of confuses them a little bit. The wrapping up meditation with a bit of a different, like a, this, out, this may also be a trap the way I sometimes like to imagine it because it's just another way you can market something. But I, I have always liked it when they wrap up meditation in more of like a, like old Japanese people do this, more of like a warrior type of thing. Like it is not going to make you super chill. It's not going to calm you down. It's like you're going to walk into the eye of the storm and like your sail's going to be blown around and it's going to be uh, a, more of a difficult endeavor that doesn't necessarily feel good. I, I don't know why. Maybe it makes me like whenever something sounds hard, I'm like, it must be good for you. <laughs> but I've always, honestly, I've always for some reason gravitated a little bit more to that uh, extreme way of selling it. Mm. Or at the very least, not putting up fantasies about how it's going to make you so relaxed and all the rest mm. of it. Cause I think you're going to be a little bit more disappointed. And if it can be more like you're going to be interested, you're going to find interesting things inside your head when you open it up and take mm. a look. Um, I've, I've always, app- uh, yeah, I've preferred that kind of uh, sales pitch or way of describing meditation. Um, some of the, I, I Whenever I led um, mindfulness sits at UBC, I often try to describe it a little bit more in these terms that, you know, we're not really here to be like calm or relaxed. We're just here to investigate and observe um, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And once I did a, like a, I think it was like a 
short talk for Engineers Without Borders on meditation. And do you know the meme with the dog drinking his coffee in a burning building? I uh, don't know if I do, but... So there's this meme, and there's this dog, and... In a burning building? In his whole... In a whole, yeah, the whole house is burning, and he says, this is fine. This is okay. <laughs> um, I've always, like, I put that slide into the PowerPoint, because I think I, I prefer that to be, like, to me, like, meditation and Zen stuff becomes most alive when there's a sense of urgency. Like, there is a, a, a real uh, reason that you need to not be blown away by the tornadoes in your brain right now. Um, I think that's always drawn me closer to meditation where I'm a little bit like having a holy shit moment. Like this is really painful and worrying what I'm experiencing right now brings me so close to like why, like a good reason to meditate in the first place. Mm. So I've always, I've always preferred a little bit more of a arduous and like sort of a mental toughness, um, PR, which, you know, full disclosure is just another story that you can mm. give about meditation, whether it be that it's going to be fluffy and, you know, bring you closer to your true self, something about Buddhahood, make you calm versus being in the eye of the storm, some warrior. It's just another story you can put it. But I'm tired of the soft one, and I think I would enjoy more of the the tough variety but that's just right okay hmm. yeah no that's interesting um <clears throat> what do you think it is about like like hearing all those benefits that long list of oh it's gonna make you this and this and a better person and uh you know more relaxed the first thing that comes to mind is whoever's reading that uh you're gonna be so disappointed <laughs> i i would say like like you know 99% of people when they start sitting zazen or or mindfulness or whatever uh they're gonna give it up Mm. um doesn't mean that they're gonna give up permanently but like that's what i did that's what anybody pretty much anybody i know that even now does it consistently and seriously kind of went back and forth a little Mm. bit with it um and then even more people i know that have sort of tried it and either a been like definitely not for me just i can't do it not into it Mm, okay fair mm. enough um or another camp of people that like oh i tried it you know i should be doing it more i just kind of let it go those people might come back around to it but i i pretty much have never almost i don't think i've met anybody that's like started and they're like yep this is for me and never stopped unless you were like that no i definitely you know dropped it off picked it up here and there um yeah uh i i like you touched on that point. I um, I for sure think meditation is like overhyped and oversold. Um, and yes, I think it's it's setting meditation up for failure. Like that, um, you know, people are going to be disappointed by it. Um, you know, people are going to realize how hard it is, and like, wow, it's and like it's it is difficult in interesting ways. Like there couldn't be anything easier than just sitting down and shutting up and yet that's just super hard for us and i think like there's like a restless painfulness to it that like i've experienced in the past or just like come on bell just ring get me out of here i just need to like i don't know like read something on my phone or brush my teeth or like just do i need stimulation something to occupy myself (laughs) truly so like i've definitely been there and i think some of the most i think that's got to be the most painful thing about it mm-hmm. um the other painful thing is the just the disappointment that like you know i did it consistently for four months or something like that and i don't think it's improved my life at all mm. um part of me feels like a little bit surprised by that so i wonder if maybe the expectation was something very was much bigger than that as a, as opposed to like yeah now i notice whenever i feel certain things more which to me is like mm. major benefit but yeah, a lot of a lot of disappointment surrounding it or difficulty doing it. Mm, mm. I mean, you had another interesting word in there about the, or you use the word urgency. Do you feel like you, what? Um, I guess there's two questions. It's like, was there an urgency for you to meditate? And really, I think this like I think the deeper question that I really want to ask is like, 
do you see yourself as like an urgent person or like is like is um yeah i don't know anyways uh i'll start with the second question and then kind of bookshelf it so i would say urgent person yes and i think everybody kind of is is how i feel about that uh i yeah i think there are some things that i'm like you know i need this obsess about it need to have this done but i kind of think everybody feels a little bit like that um and that's where i'll leave it i'll put it on the shelf so the other question you had was do i have a sense of urgency to meditate right i don't think any like perfectly balanced happy sane person chooses to meditate i think people come to meditation to fix themselves i think people go to meditation because they're like i'm hurting i'm confused or i'm anxious or i can't sleep this, that, and the other thing, and I'm going to, like, fix myself. So I think people come to meditation, and meditation doesn't normally come to them. So in my, in my truthful, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's just been what I've kind of seen, is when, I, when I've led meditation stuff, people usually go there because they are looking for something. And sometimes you can, I mean, it's a bit of a vulnerable act because I think that's the underlying, like, understanding amongst people. And when you're sitting there in the meditation circle, it's kind of apparent that, like, okay, we've all got something going on in our head and we're being pretty honest that this is kind of bothering me or I'm having difficulty with this. I'm struggling. We're all sitting there and we've kind of agreed that, yes, this is what's going on and we're looking to help each other. So that's a kind of a good environment to be in in general. And in my, in my own experience, I have gone, started meditating somewhat out of a sense of urgency. And when I've dropped off and come back, it has also been, uh, a, there has been a, a feeling of urgency because it's, it's been like a, like my mind is going off a cliff right now, or I keep ruminating about this. I like, this is you know, very unhealthy. I can't stop thinking about this, or I'm really worried about that. Uh, it's usually been in those moments that I've been, yeah, I got to go back and sit zazen uh, for a while and stare at a wall <laughs> um how did you describe those uh perfect people the the those who are perfectly happy and content and ha- oh perfectly what balanced sane happy yeah balanced. <laughs> do you believe you could become perfectly balanced sane and happy without meditation uh yeah yeah i think so yeah i mean i think uh i think it, just being human, you're probably going to have some trouble. But I think there are more uh, emotionally regulated human beings out there. And I think some have found a, a sense of like uh, groundedness, we'll say, um, doing their own thing. I think there are some people that like get like really into music or something, and they're very calm when they're playing music. It's almost like uh, developing a certain kind of wisdom. But I don't think meditation is the be all end all. I think it's a pretty proven method, like literally thousands of years. Um, Good thing to do. And also all the more important in a way to balance out our highly stimulized lives that we uh, have recently uh, grown into. Mm. Like there were definitely point in Mm. time where you Mm. would just walk for like a month gradually over some planes to like deliver something. And then you would walk for maybe months over grassland and plains and sleep under the stars. And there would be nothing to really look at, but like sheeps and mountains and stuff. And there's nothing really going on. Um, and so I think we're so far removed from that, that you kind of need more downtime than ever. But I don't think meditation is the same okay. way. Okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I do like what you said. I guess um, maybe a part of my question was thinking like, I, I, I mean, I think, uh, to be, you know, perfectly um, balanced, sane, happy. I, I think you need some of the benefits that meditation might give you, but I think it's true you can maybe find those benefits, say, through running or playing piano or surfing or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, when, when I think of those maybe non-existent people, 
I just think of like a, a deep, yeah, deep groundedness and steadiness, mm-hmm. and trust uh, in in yourself and in in the universe that you don't necessarily need to build by sitting and staring at walls and listening to bells ring. But that maybe that's one way you do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so circling back to my urgent question, um, the question of urgency. To me, the what one of the one of the like Dwayne facts that sticks out in my head is um Dwayne is a person who has an app on his phone that is called uh, Life Calendar. And what you do is you program in uh, the if you're a male or a female and it's uh, and it spits out like, oh, your expected life, your life expectancy is 77 years. Here's the well, I think here's the flaw with the app is I, I'm not sure they even do that. I think they just ask you how long do you think you're going to live. <laughs> You're, you're doing you this self-select yourself. how many hours or how many years you think you're gonna live um and to be fair i i you know what i think i lost that app uh, I don't no think longer I an urgent person anymore. i'll have to get it back but it's <laughs> you've lost it, it yeah it's pretty, yeah i've lost it yeah i think i've uh oftentimes um Like, uh, I've, I've been inspired by mortality before. <laughs> like, I think it just puts things in perspective. It's it's difficult for me to talk to, it, 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 to talk to people about this. Because, like, to be polite and not weird, you wouldn't bring that up just with anybody. But I don't think I'm alone. Like, I think a lot of people do at times consider, oh, yeah, I will probably die at some point. In fact... You will, certainly. And I don't think we really, like, and, you know, going through my day, I, I don't really think about my impending doom nor anyone else's. But the fact is that, that that calendar couldn't be more true. And I think having a little bit of that perspective at times can be very motivating and make life more straightforward and clear and less confusing. Mm. Um, now I've never really come close to my mortality. I think, you know, I've heard of stories of like, oh, they got, uh, cancer or something and recovered and it kind of changed their personality a little bit. I've, I've heard of stories like that before, but I wouldn't say like, I've been fairly healthy. I've never really gotten a close scrape or anything like that. Um, I sort of, sort of try to apply it to myself. Maybe if, unless I was ever really pushed up against the wall, it wouldn't have a, Unless that happens, it will never have like a really meaningful impact. But I've, you know, listened and read enough about that phenomena taking place that I kind of, I, I am attracted to the idea of focus you get from it and the motivation perspective. And you know what? Call me a philosopher. It's just true. And I think we should be aware of our own impending doom. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some like competing forces of, this idea of urgency and how maybe it can like, like accelerate your life or like create the illusion of acceleration. Whereas if anything, so, I mean, mm-hmm. um, uh, ratcheting the conversation back a little bit. And I was talking about how to try to implement more mindfulness into the, the washing of plastic bags rather than just like trying to cram in more time on the, on the meditation cushion. Um, uh, I've been trying to like decelerate my life a little bit or like slow down and like take the urgency out of it um, because I think historically I've been a quote-unquote urgent person and um, yeah trying to rush around and do so many things and um, it's not that I'm like running out of time but there's just so much to do and you oh, are okay, running out of great, time, thanks. Jason. Have you checked your life calendar? <laughs> this blinking red dot of so, yeah. So so yeah yeah. Like I hate to interrupt because you had a good thought. I'm just bubbling mm-hmm. over that. I need to put some of this on the board. Um, okay, I'll I'll start off with I had a very I had a thought that completely related to this topic today when I was reading our book, we started talking about a book at the start of this. When we were reading our book, there was, you know, our, our Haruki number one is facing his own impending doom. And 
he has like <laughs> you're sneezing, but you've muted it. That's so funny. <laughs> so he he's he's about to he's gonna die soon, and he knows it, and he's kind of coming to terms with that, and um, yeah, just just realizing his his own time is up. Here is a question for you: Does knowing your own impermanence necessarily mean that you are going to grow to have a sense of urgency? Because I think that's an important question to ask. When, one way, this is the way that you, Hillary, and Jeremy all reacted to finding out that I have a life calendar on my phone, is that, oh my god, I have so much stress in my day already. Like, why would I want to now have an extra thing? Like, oh my, you know, this thing is coming, so why would I, why would I want to feel more urgent? But I think to ask like a, a, an interesting question is, does knowing that you reminding yourself that, you know, it's a guaranteed fact of life that you're leaving at some point necessarily mean that you need to then suddenly be very urgent about it? Because you could really go many different ways with that. I think one way you might go is realizing to decelerate, to, to, to slow down and like wash the bag and just be fully there. because. Like, that's all you got. I don't know. If, if you knew that you were going to die and all you had was left to do was wash bags and chop firewood and carry water and that kind of thing, you'd probably really try to soak up all of those activities as best as you can. Because, you know, life's not going to give you anything else. You might as well just enjoy what you, what, what, what's being given at the moment. So I'm not sure that urgency is necessarily the only response to that fact of life i think you know if you were going i think i think the response could easily be just pay attention more mm. um, yeah so i had this thought today or the day before whenever we were reading about our our sky soldier gonna crash his plane into a battleship mm -hmm. uh that coming to terms with that you know it's we, we probably won't go out that way but the the, the you know fact is at some point so we will uh, move on and I, I, being urgency is maybe one response you could have. And sometimes I like that because I think it gives you a certain degree of audacity and uh, bravery to like just do some things. Uh, so I think that's where that power comes from. But it's not the only response you might have. Mm. Yeah, no, I and I appreciate that. I think um, something that I'm learning more recently is... Um, like regardless of the the external stimuli there's a story in your head and you're gonna like choose to selectively see that story regardless of what um external information is going to tell you right like um uh so my example of this is maybe um, with the pre recent presidential election in the states like i think some people have certain stories about how the world is going to turn out like oh it's terrible because of this reason oh i'm really optimistic because of this reason regardless of the results of the election people continue to see those either positive or negative things and um yeah it's almost like just inherent to the the, the person themselves the essence of like you know whether or not very simplistically if they're a pessimist or an optimist and um maybe the same thing is coming out in this in this life calendar question that I have, um, inherently I am an urgent, anxious person, and seeing that life calendar is just another excuse. It's another um, way that my mind is telling that story, right? Um, or, or I, I'm seeing signals out in the world that I like, are I feel like are reinforcing. But no, yeah, absolutely. Um, what you what you said is true. I there there's more than one way to interpret uh, the life calendar, and um, you talked about the the importance of paying attention. So um, on my recent meditation journey, the word that I really sticks out to me, and I've really um, loved using, and I try to remind myself each time I sit, is the word vivid. Like um, just trying to soak in the the vividness of life, like experiencing life in high definition, uh, um, 
And really, I, I mean, it starts with the breath, like how vivid is your breath right now? Um, and uh, just, yeah, like what you're, what you're saying is just enjoying the fullness of that breath rather than, um, you know, having your mind split on all these different things and not necessarily getting that, that, that richness, that vividness. Yeah, I mean, of all the ways that you could interpret the fact that you're going to die one day, I think it's impossible not, like, the one that I feel more or less everyone would have is one of, like, well, I, I better, like, savor, pay attention to what's going on mm -hmm. right now. Make some, make some tough decisions, maybe. I think it's pretty hard to have that realization and then just continue on as though nothing is nothing's different i don't know it it's it's a funny one it's like cliche i guess which is why i'm like hesitant to to share it at times uh and you wouldn't just bring this up casually either which is funny why do why wouldn't you bring that up casually <laughs> it's weird it's, well it's like <laughs> I guess some facts you just don't bring up. <laughs> but, yeah, so you don't normally talk about it. And it's very cliche, but, um, you know, this is the right podcast to have that conversation. Yes, that's why uh, you're tuning in right now. <laughs> that's right, folks. I mean, those who don't want to listen to this, they stopped listening like Yo, 15 yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> Um, I, um, another excerpt from the book that really spoke to me was when the, uh, the grandma and the kid, they were on the beach. Do you remember this scene? Yep. Um, and she was sort of like, she, like the, the grandma turned to the little girl and was like, have you ever punched a wave? And then the girl was like, uh, nope. And then she's like, why don't you try it? And then, yeah, there's this like beautiful scene of this girl like swinging this walking stick um, to try to like smash the wave. And she, at one point she's like, yeah, like what if, like I, I hit the ocean as best as I could, but it still beat me. And what if I just give up right now? Will the ocean like wash me into the bottom of the ocean? Or yeah, will the ocean wash me away? Sharks will eat my limbs. Little fish will eat my fingertips, and like um, like jellyfish will start like sucking my eyeballs or something. Um, and then afterwards, the the old lady she asks like, "So how did it go?" And she's like, "It was hard." It's like, "Hmm," but did you enjoy it? And then he's like, "Uh," and then. And then she's like, and like knowing nod or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. That's a Zen lesson. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, that's what, that's what you were saying is like what draws you to meditation is it's not the like achievement of necessarily beating the ocean, but it's like, it's doing something hard and like with life, it's like committing yourself to doing something hard like so an earlier part again another part is i think during her going away party they were singing karaoke and the old lady chose a karaoke song that was it was about the importance of having impossible dreams because um even if you die not having accomplished those dreams you'll have scars on your back showing that you've tried to accomplish your dream or something like that and like I think it was a Broadway musical song. Yeah, exactly. Singing. And like the the exciting part of life is like collecting those scars, not next, not necessarily accomplishing your dreams or something like that. Um, Sounds about right. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, as I have read a little bit farther into the book, the section about fighting the waves is going to have powerful mm. me meaning for Haruki number oh, wow. one. Okay. That yeah. I can't put it down. I can't wait to read oh, more. That's great. Um yeah. Yeah. Um I so okay, my 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 thoughts are kind of splitting a bit, but another part of that beach was um she was saying like, yeah, wave, person, same thing. And then the little girl's like, what? It's like, yeah, oh, a wave, 
is generated from deep within the ocean and then it like peaks its head for a little bit and then it returns to the ocean person it's generated deep from the the environment in which it's grown up it peaks its head out for a little bit and then returns to that environment it's like wow like that's cool (laughs) yeah that's like the that's like the classic uh buddhist analogy what how people are and connected like i i think uh i the first zen book i ever read was brad warner's uh hardcore zen i think Mm -hmm. i I don't know have i ever showed you this book before uh you've talked to me about it but yeah okay very inspiring on an impressionable 16 year old when i read it and in it he has a diagram of like this is how most people think of themselves and there are a bunch of circles that are just drawn on the page here and here here and uh he says that like in buddhism we try to look at it more like like imagine more like a hand so there's this big blob and then there's little fingers that stick out and those are the people but they're they all just kind of come back and come back again that 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 uh metaphor very on brand (laughs) oh yeah hmm Okay. Um, no, it's a it's a really good book. I'm looking forward to continuing our uh, our reading club. Listeners, if you want to get in on it, the next book we'll be reading will be a fiction book. It'll be Daisy Jones and the Six, probably. But there was something else I wanted to talk to you about. Jim. Oh, okay, sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something something else. Um, I wanted to tell you about my Friday night. Okay, great. He's giving me the he's giving me the wave. Of, please continue. <laughs> okay, how, we we've talked about a few things, and there's been running themes in this podcast, right? Mm. We've talked about we've we, we've done meditation, we've done improv, we've done business, we've done probably those on repeat. <laughs> That's it. That's what, all what we have to talk Anything about. <laughs> okay, have we have we yet talked about dungeons and dragons? I don't know if we have. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, oftentimes, it's it's one of um, if I could have like a intro to like this is me, I would probably describe the years between I was like ten to thirteen or something like that, mm. or something like section in there, where I, I reached up to a top shelf and uh, found a dust box and blew off the dust. Uh, yeah, exactly. Only, only to find a, a depiction of a, like a man holding a spear in some sort of well dungeon, and there being a large green dragon above him, and then there is some like spellcaster wizard lady with like fire in the palm of her hand, and me thinking like this is the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life, and they they're all these weird, funny shaped dice and that kind of thing. Anyways, what I want to talk to you about is creativity. Oh. So on. Friday night, I met with some friends, and uh, we, were, we were going to play a, a D&D game, and our dungeon master is named uh, Patrick. So he he created a world for us, uh, like a campaign for us. I don't know if you know this, but when you play D&D, like, you can have like a, a pre-made kind of like box set that like the dungeon master can kind of like read through, but I think a lot of people will just make homebrew. Anyways, so our dungeon master Patrick created quite the world for us, uh, and I was, I was impressed. Been talking about it for days. So he he provided us. We'll start with a map. So imagine like Middle Earth, right? So like Middle Earth, it's broken into like these different sections. You know, way in the west is the Shire, way in the southeast, I guess, is Mordor, and then I think there's a bunch yeah. of stuff in between. <laughs> and then it's <laughs> like A to B. <laughs> really a to b yeah you know there's some misty mountains in there i think there's a forest someplace and there all the areas are known for different creatures and that sort of thing so our dm created uh basically this this whole map for us so it, it the, the realm basically it has a has a name um forget already lotharian i don't know some D shit and he broke up all of this 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 geography um you could see where there was water, some rivers, uh, some foothills, mountains, and broke up like political boundaries, saying like, okay, so this is 
this country's faction and there is this country's faction and this island is here. These people are rich. These people are poor. There's a war going on over here. Like this whole this whole realm. Um, and then at one point, you know, all of these were united. All of these uh, factions were united under one empire. And then that broke down. That happened about 130 years ago to where you guys are now. And now we are to develop our characters that are then going to fit into his world. Actually, something I should do today is type up my uh, my idea of a character that he then like fits into his story. Yeah, but I, I was really, really kind of I was really impressed that like you know he's super into it. He spent a lot of time making up this world and he created names and where the cities go and creating the politics. And he explains how this faction is operates mostly as a theocracy, whereas over here is like a monarchy. Um, that sort of thing. And I, I'd say there's like, I love that kind of thing. I, uh, like it doesn't necessarily have to be a Dungeons and Dragons world. It's just the opportunity to be that creative where there's like, there's no like wrong answers. Like when I've been in my most creative spaces, I've been like when I've been 10 to 13 and I've been doing that like world creating a D&D that uh, Patrick is doing now, or when as a teenager and I was, I was writing music, similar feeling where it's sort of exploratory and you're improvising a little bit and you're creating something but you're not really concerned about what people will think of it or like the results of it ultimately mm. um it's extremely mm. like it's really exciting and like for me a space that makes me feel really whole and uh satisfied i think at work, for example, I would say I rarely get the opportunity to do something kind of creative, like maybe building like a spreadsheet tool, that kind of thing, or a model. It's like the closest I can get to where I feel like I'm building something. Um, and that kind of gets me excited, but often it's very cookie cutter. And there's there's a lot of times when you just don't get a chance to, to create like this. And I, I know that I'm in that kind of creative play space when there's there's very little concern about outcome it's like more of a focus of like oh yeah and then i can add this and then that and then what does this mean um it's just an awesome feeling and seeing our dm's like work that he put into this and creating this world and learning about it reminded me of those really exciting creative spaces and times in my life uh and i, I think it's one worth trying to chase you know, mm, play more. Play more. We've gone full circle. So really, it's the it, same topic. You know, it see, it looks on the other, yeah, on the, on the outside, it's like something new, but it's. Really <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Wow. I'm yeah. I'm so happy that you had such a great experience on Friday with them. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think it was just cool getting to see what he put in, and then for me, the takeaway was like yeah, that's really neat. When have I been in places like that? And then just more thinking more generally about creativity. Mm. Yeah. So, um, well, so what, what's your, what's your, what's, uh, what's next? How are you going to chase creative creativity in the future? Well, I, I mean, I'm curious to see where his game's going to go. I'm looking forward to immersing myself in, uh, in his, in his world. Um, and it, it did remind me a little bit of songwriting. I thought a little bit about that. Do that. Okay, yeah, I don't know. fair enough. Sorry. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. Where, where have I felt creative? I um. I think. I mean, like you said, you touched on there are elements of work where. Um, I think that like creativity kicks in either creating a new spreadsheet or for me, sometimes it's um, understanding the issue. Like I think investigation has an element of creativity. Like um, uh, I'll say like, I'll, I'll interview like two or three different people interview. Like I'll ask them like, Oh, what's going on? And then they each have their kind of own side of the story. And then, that creative element is like taking a step back, like pulling all the pieces together. You have one of those, um, you have one of those maps and then the, you have the push pins and then the, the red, <laughs> this red string that's drawn, drawn across that. I think um, yep. to me, there's something satisfying there of like 
sort of seeing the forest for the trees or what's the what's the saying being able to see the forest in between the trees anyways um you you, you can't see the forest right, through the trees yes <laughs> but when you do it's great <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so i mean yeah i think that's you know maybe that's work creativity um for me for a long for a while like when i was quite into dance I think dance was a very creative um, expression, I would say. Like, mm, okay, yeah. Uh, to me, there, I think there's this connection between creativity and expression. Like, being able to want to communicate something in a, yeah, in either a novel way or a, um, a way that almost surprises yourself. Um, so I think with dance, I sort of explored being able to express things uh, i mean prior to getting into dance it, it, there's just so much emphasis on words and like being able to articulate exactly right and just say no this is what i mean this is how i'm feeling right now this is what i'm thinking right now and exploring dance for a little bit it was just such a like a breath of fresh air of oh wow like I don't even know exactly. I don't have words for what I'm trying to communicate right now. And that's almost the point. Like, it's just like, I'm, I'm moving and that it feels right. Or it feels like I'm accomplishing something um, differently. Right. And it's not even like communicating to other people or just like expressing say to other people. It's just expression for expression's sake, like for myself. Um, So I think that was, yeah, I would say quite a creative output. Um, and I mean, I think that's what I think about uh, when I, um, er, that's another way I think about that question. But really, um, in more recent years, uh, I think the thing that just keeps on coming back, creativity, the the how creativity just c- comes circling back is almost like uh, podcasting. And um, I guess like talking to people and then like colon podcasting but um well i i think like meeting new people is like i feel the most creative when i'm like trying to talk to a new person i i agree with that i was about to say dance like backing up a little bit one thought on dance i conceptually i agree with you i've never been a good dancer so i really don't know like conceptually, I agree, but I and I can see how that would work, but I've never really felt like I'm able to express anything through that. But I respect that you do, and conceptually, I agree. The other one you said was meeting new people feels like creative, and I can't put my finger on it. And I agree, there is something cool and fun and playful and exploratory. You don't know really what's going to happen about that, and I don't know why it would feel creative but that feels right or yeah i don't know why it would be creative but it feels right i mean um i i think about it almost similarly to the work problem like there's sort of a um a story that's going on but you want to try to take a step back and it's like okay what is it that this person is saying per se you know like they're all the words are you know they're coming out in sentences and whatnot but like where where where's the arc of this conversation going, uh, you know, like what, like what is the point of us talking right now? And uh, sometimes you need. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's what everyone's wondering right now. <laughs> and I think sometimes you just meet a, a, a boring person, and it's like, and you're like, you know, you're throwing out some offers, you know, they're not yes anding you, and you're like. Eh, okay yeah i mean hey you know what nice chatting with you like all the best um (laughs) but i think sometimes you like really hit on mm, yeah like you you discover it together and i think you know this is the overlap of say with dungeons and dragons is you know the dm has thrown out their initial offer of you know here's this space here's this direction where i think i want to go but after that, there's a this collaboration of, you know, mm, I think this is interesting. Oh, I think this is interesting. Oh, I think this is interesting. Oh, I think this is interesting. And then the, the conversation builds um, 
together into like, oh yes, like, wow, we've created something. Um, the something being an interesting conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. That was an amazing piece of through line artwork you just pulled off there. Big. Having a conversation is a lot like Dungeons. <laughs> you remind me of somebody like if there was somebody that is so obsessed with Dungeons and Dragons that every time you talk to them, it could be about anything. They would just respond with something to do with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. There, there is. It's I think the best kind of conversations and. The best kinds of conversations are collaborative ones, not ones where you're just asking somebody something and they respond and then that's it. And then you ask them again, like there's no collaboration there. And I think when you're doing that with a new person, it is very exciting. Yeah. Because you just don't know what's going to happen. Like what's going to happen? Yeah. You can edit this out if it's inappropriate, but it's like having sex with somebody that you've never that you, you haven't had sex with. Before. Just what's gonna happen? Who knows? Yeah, I think there's. Yeah, exactly. It's it's exciting. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. There. Great. Leaving it in. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons. A good conversation. Good sex, sex with like strangers. That. You know, we're really covering all the topics. Did we ever talk about, like, sex with strangers? Because I feel like... No, that was another conversation I was having. But, you know, 58 minutes in, we're finally getting to the good stuff. But I I, I think I said once before that... No, it's to my friend in improv. And I said that, like, the idea... Like, sex with strangers really makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I don't like that idea at all. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to at all. I'm just being honest that that just makes me uncomfortable. You know, yep. some things do, some things don't. If it if it doesn't for you, awesome. I'm 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 envious actually. But I've just in my experience, it's never been very good. It's been okay, I guess. But I often uncomfortable. Often uncomfortable. I I'm just nodding and agreeing. Um, I don't have anything else to add to this conversation. I agree. I mean, awkward, uncomfortable. Really, it's 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 really on brand because the conversation we were just having was about Dungeons and Dragons. So, like, <laughs> clearly, I'm not going to be funny. <laughs> sleeping with lots of strength. Oh man, yeah, that's funny. Um. Do you have more to say on creativity? Um, nope. I think we're good here. All right. Cool. Call her an episode. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Okay, I'm going to stop recording. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.